mood reflections, prayers, and wisdom to deepen your spiritual journey this day. Before we hear the gospel story, just a few introductions. Moot's been really hard work for the last 10 years, and one of the people that has been a major support to us has been Bishop Graham. He's kept me sane, and uh, I personally um, can't say thank you enough for all the support um, you give me. People don't know this, but Graham was one of the reasons why I ended up a Christian um, from a very early alternative worship community in York. So he knew me when I was very much an angry young man, and I think he was just as much shocked as anybody when I got ordained. <laughs> So, Bishop Graham, can we say a big thank you? Also, to say you know, Bishop Graham will be standing down as the Archbishop's Missioner soon. Um, and I can only say that a lot of what has happened through Fresh Expressions is largely due to the passion and wisdom of this man we have before us. So it's a great pleasure to have you with us today, Graham. There's only one way to follow that, and it's to read the Gospel. A <laughs> Gospel reading is from St. Mark, Chapter 1. A leper came to Jesus, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, But go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. He went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly but stayed out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. So may I now speak in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is so good to be here. Uh, I've tried to be a friend of Moot largely behind the scenes, but I'm very glad to be one in public. As you've heard, Ian and I have known one another longer than he or I would be prepared to tell you this evening. Because if I did that, you would work out how old I am, and then you might start asking questions. How, no, we won't, we won't go to that one if that's okay. Uh, but I have the highest admiration for this community, the highest admiration for its priest. That's been a remarkable work of visionary and very patient faithfulness that has brought fruit to the stage that you're now at. And my, my prayer is with you as the exploration of what it might mean to be an acknowledged community in the Church of England and to provide hospitality to some other smaller communities around the country develops. That feels so right to me. So now to two apparently contrasting reasons, readings. Uh, put together, they demonstrate what I want to call transforming grace. Transforming grace. Uh, It begins with costly mercy in the gospel reading. A leper might mean people with the disease that we now call leprosy. It was probably broader than that, but until relatively recently in human history, if it was what we call leprosy, it was not normally curable. It was regarded as profoundly contagious 
And in Israel, no one was a, a leper was not allowed to come into contact with other people or their property. They were ex effectively cut off from society. And that's society's message to this man. And he somehow believes that Jesus stands for something different. And he therefore feels able to approach him. And the church is to be approachable like that. And Jesus doesn't just say, be clean. He touches him. He did the thing you were not meant to do. Because you might catch it. <clears throat> and even if you <clears throat> didn't catch it, you made yourself ritually unclean, couldn't go to the temple. And the difference is not that Jesus becomes unclean or Jesus catches contagion. But the power of Jesus to heal and the mercy of Jesus to touch restores this man to perfect health. And he's told to go and do what you're meant to do. Leviticus 14, if you believe you're cured, go and show the priest. And then the whole community will know that you're cured. And does he echoes like he does? He just disappears and tells everybody and uh, causes Jesus a bit of difficulty as a consequence. But I'm not sure Jesus was too troubled. Uh, one of the Church of England's Eucharistic prayers have this, has this lovely line in it. He touches, he touched untouchables with love he touched untouchables with love that's the quality of the Lord we serve and is to be the quality of the community which comes into being around him in Christ we find love and mercy without limit the word pity in the translation that we used isn't quite good enough for all that those words are meant to be love and mercy without limit irrespective of where we were when we first encountered Jesus irrespective of where we are now and it's because of that that in the New Testament reading Paul can simply say live as Christ lived live in love as Christ loved us and the gospel is simply the reading is simply one example of that love in action that capacity to love because we are loved to show mercy because we have received mercy to touch if you like because we've been touched to send a, an invitation of welcome and hospitality rather than judgment and uh, and hostility is only made possible because of Jesus Christ it does not come into being because over 10 years some of you have gathered who somehow have the capacity to do it it comes because of your continual connection as those who if you like still kneel at the feet of Jesus and receive his goodness and pass it on uh, I'm missioner for both archbishops and Archbishop Justin was in South Sudan recently believe it or not talking about reconciliation he said this in a sermon there the first place we find reconciliation is in Jesus Christ only Jesus has the resources to give us so we can be reconciled. Paul says be reconciled to God through Jesus. Then hear this. Even a loving person <coughs> runs out of the resources to forgive, like a bottle of water which becomes empty. But the reconciliation of Jesus, remember this is said in Sudan, is like the Nile in flood. Now, floods may be a slightly trickier illustration to give in our context, <coughs> but let's go back to that context. Uh, our best is the bottle of water that only too soon 
is empty on a hot day. Uh, in Christ is a continuing supply of love and mercy to receive and to give that is like the Nile in flood. Not just reconciliation, love and mercy and kindness. We may have had enough of the wrong sort of floods lately, but the love and mercy of Jesus Christ is an endless flood. And that love and mercy equips us to be, in the language of the first reading, a community of love and of light. Uh, that's what Paul is describing. First of all, he's describing a community that knows it's been loved and touched by Jesus. Christ loved us, he said, and gave himself up for us. In the light of that, you live a life of love. But a community loved and touched by Jesus does not stay the same. Grace meets you where you are, but grace also enables you in God to change. Uh, divine love and grace are transforming. The, the disciplines you share as a community are a cooperation with costly mercy and grace from God through which transformation comes. Those day-to-day -day habits in Christ that those of you in the core community seek to live uh, don't make you holy. They keep you in the right place so that God can gradually transform you to be more and more like his son. And that transformation is always possible. It makes possible a life of Christ-like love. It bears fruit, Paul says, in all that's good and right and true. That it leads you into a life, he says, that's pleasing to the Lord. A life of wisdom rather than folly. And a life that's based on doing his will. And the implication, which is why we need transformation, is that not everything automatically pleases the Lord. <laughs> That's why we went to confession the moment we had stilled ourselves in the presence of God. Not everything is according to his will. And not everything, sadly, is good, right, or true. And disciples turn from these things in themselves. Not primarily because they fear that one day they might be judged. But because they've found in Jesus Christ and aspire to something better. <laughs> The Christian word repentance is much more about a turning to than a turning from. It is though the light and love of Christ described in these passages put a whole load of personal lifestyle decisions and aspirations into a new perspective. And Christ is so much better than a lot of ours as we discover his purpose, what's described here as uh, what pleases the Lord and what is his will. Uh, Christ continues to say to every one of his disciples as he did to the leper of course I choose be clean he says to you every time you turn to him of course I choose every time you doubt him because you doubt yourself and your acceptability he says of course I choose and I know the passage is about a leper but in the next passage he forgives sins <laughs> and we come to him for healing just as we come to him for mercy the some scholars think that when Paul says sleeper awake rise from the dead Christ will shine on you it was words said at baptism 
as they came out the water. Their new Christian life was their resurrection, their wake-up call, and a stepping into the full light of Christ. So Paul is describing the qualities of a community that lives the baptized life, the life of Christ's resurrection. He doesn't see the church as superior, just as he was hugely merciful to those who came to him for mercy, so he was very tough indeed on those who were arrogant and thought they were better than others. He doesn't see the church as superior. Because of grace, Paul says, you're the people Jesus has woken up. <laughs> so be awake. Don't go back to sleep. So you, Moot, are called to be a community who are ethically and morally awake, full of mercy. A community who knows that the light of Christ shines on you because of his mercy, not because of particularly who you are. And you have a calling to reflect that light to those around you. Uh, well, one New Testament writer looking at this great swathe of Ephesians tried to pull it together, all this idea of light into one image. And he says, Christ as the center of God's sphere of influence beams out his light on the darkness of his world. Like a spotlight playing on the stage of a darkened theater. Believers stand in the beam and become identified and live in its light. And as they do so, the light is reflected off them, showing up the darkness around. And as they see the light reflected, some who sit in that darkness choose to enter the light because they've seen something better. Now, as well as the image of the corporate image of the light of the world, the city set on a hill. Jesus also used the image of the salt that is scattered and the, the personal integrity of every Christian in their daily lives. But here Paul takes up the light of the world picture. A community of light and love. That's your inheritance through your baptism. A continual transformation to be a community that loves as Jesus loves. And if that is your calling, you'll live in a tension <clears throat> between the calling and the present state of the reality. You'll live in a tension between your calling and the present state of the reality. It goes with the territory. I have loved and served Jesus to the best of my ability and mercifully according to his grace for well over 55 years now. And... Uh, I need an awful lot of mercy. <laughs> there is still a profound tension. This is not, you do not graduate from the tension. You allow the tension to pull you closer to Christ. So we're called to love people, live a life of love. And we're called to love people who will sometimes profoundly disappoint us. <laughs> and we will still love them. And we do it for one simple reason. God does that with me and you just about every day. <laughs> When we disappoint him and we come again for mercy and he says, of course I choose. And on we go. So as we have been treated, so we treat. We're called to know ourselves profoundly loved by God. Of course I choose. Jesus says to us time after time, of course I choose. Be clean. And though we disappoint ourselves and God does not give up on us and will not allow us to give up on ourselves we are to live differently to live transformed lives 
And that's only by grace. So we don't live judgmentally or self-righteously. We're to be like Christ, living and loving as he lives and loves us still. That's who you are in Jesus. That's a baptized community. That's a community that kneels at the feet of Jesus and says, I need your mercy again. And that's a community that lives out that mercy in its treatment of others. We are to be like Christ, living and loving, as he lives and loves us still. And we can be transformed to be more like him, but never to escape the tension, because he is an endless flood of transforming grace. He says to you day by day, of course I choose, be clean. And he makes you a welcoming community that say the same to many others.